center and coming in as Bloom. Milledike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. Steinberg, Wes from the Scotiabank Saddledome, and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Save. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at Calgary Lock and Safe. Yeah, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts on this Thursday, September 21st from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. No, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. What are we doing at the Hot Stove Lounge? Well, of course, day one of training camp on the ice is in the books. The Flames went through three different sessions and and some some things to write home about, some things that were uh, of note. Uh, we saw Jonathan Huberdeau, Elias Lindholm, Yegor Sharangovich as a line. I think a lot of people were interested to see if that was going to be together. We saw some defense pairings. Um, there, was, there was definitely a lot to dive into when it came to today's day one. And then, of course, there's the media, right? There's the, there's the media side of it with the players talking to us on the first day of training camp and there's still the same questions that are out there right now. There's still the same questions about the futures of those six unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. Nothing has changed in terms of their status over the last eight or nine days. Nine days ago, Michael Backlund talked to us. Eight days ago, Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm talked to us about their futures. Nothing has changed. They're still unsigned and they haven't been traded. The, the circumstances are the same, but that doesn't mean we uh, didn't take a run at trying to get some answers from them or different answers from them again. Well, and you can even go further. You know, we had Nikita Zadorov here after the Flames golf tournament, sat in that chair and told us nothing's changed with him. He, he's been waiting on an offer and hasn't received one. Chris Tanev today confirmed that he is yet to have extension talks with the Flames and, and not to worry about that because he's willing to wait and you know fit in after some other guys and so w- there's six right and so that's five Lindholm, Backlund, Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov and the sixth is Oliver Shillington who as yep. everybody knows you know there's some other things to address before you're talking about a, a contract with with Oliver Shillington there there's the more pressing matter of him getting back to the the place that he feels like he's ready to join his teammates on the ice. Yep. And so they're just echoing you, but there's your update on all six. And yet, I did think we got a, a little bit more from Elias Lindholm, just a little bit more information when he was pressed on it by a few people after the first on-ice session today. Lindholm was centering Jonathan Huberdeau on the left and Yegor Sharangovich on the right. He talked a little bit about that, but inevitably there was some contract talk in there as well. Not a, a ton of update, but there is uh, maybe something a little bit new in here. Listen to uh, a little bit of Elias Lindholm when he spoke to us on Thursday morning. Uh, I mean, we talked early on in summer, and uh, that was the last time we talked, so it uh, hasn't been much. Are you? Would you allow your agent to talk during the season, or would you rather that not happen? I mean, it, it will be handled, and it's, uh, it will be time for that, but uh, for now I'm just focusing on the 
on the season and, and try to make the most out of it and, and, you know, try to help this team win as many games as possible. I would want to know, you know, what the chances are of you being a flame long-term, what would you say to them? <sighs> like I said uh, last week, uh, you know, I've been pretty clear, with, you know, about it and, and uh, you know, uh, I'm not the only guy in this position with one year left on my contract, so, you know, it's a big decision for for both parts and, and you know, it'll take time. What, what goes into that decision? It's beyond money. Like, what, what, what does a guy go through? Is it family stuff? Like, figuring out where you want to live like what goes to that is nah i mean like i said i've been i've been clear with uh with what i want and and um obviously there's a lot of parts that plays plays into it but uh yeah i'm gonna leave it that so a couple things there first of all the new piece of information that we got from elias in my eyes anyway was right at the top there where he says um, they hadn't really spoken since July. They, they, the last time that there were talks was July. That was that was kind of the new piece of information for me. Now, it's about July since we've been reporting here on Flames Talk or elsewhere that you know, there's a pretty hefty offer on the table, an eight-year deal in the range of 70, $72 million, somewhere in that range, in and around $9 million per year, 8.75 per year. That offer has that, – that's, that's when that offer was first tabled, and yet, according to Elias, there hasn't been a whole lot of conversation since then. So is that a matter of, hey, here's our contract. Do you want to take it? Is that a matter of um, the Lindholm camp wanted to negotiate it on, on it and the, the Flames haven't? I, I honestly have no idea, but I did find that interesting that Lindholm said that uh, there really hasn't been a whole lot of movement or a whole lot of action on the contract side since July. You know, on, on any other day, that revelation would have been the big news story i think today from the saddle dome on on most other days we we might have spent 90 of you know we might have spent 90 minutes of flames talk talking about the fact that negotiations with their star center seem to be at a standstill and i know i was i was very tough on elias lindholm last week based on what we heard or, or or just the way he sort of handled his media availability at Country Hills Golf Club. I, I know I was very critical uh, of him for sort of how... He sounded frustrated, yeah, right? That it, was kind of what we were talking about, how it felt like there was a frustrated vibe to it a week ago. I, did, yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't get that same feeling from him this time around. Did you feel like no, he was and, as frustrated? And thank you for helping me find some words there. Uh, I think he explained. Training camp for I all of think us. he explained today where the frustration is coming from, and and now I get it. And you're right. We don't know if there was a counter offer that perhaps the Flames have not responded to. We don't know why this conversation has gone so cold. We just know that here we are on September 21st, and it sounds like it's been two and a half months or more since there was any sort of, of real tangible discussions between the Flames and Lindholm on a contract extension. And I think that explains the frustration. I, I don't think Elias Lindholm wanted to be here on day one of camp without an extension done. The sense I get the long size that you hear when he's asked about his contract, I think that comes from, and I'm just guessing, I don't know for sure, but I think that comes from, geez, I really wish this was done. Yep. And I, I 
there's a lot of different ways you can read into all of this. And we, we don't know the answers, so we would just be speculating. But you can, I think there's one interpretation that, you know, hey, the Flames have put a, uh, a hefty deal on the table and maybe the Lindholm camp wants it to be heftier. Maybe, I don't know, uh, or maybe, as you said, maybe there's been overtures from Lindholm and his camp to negotiate on it more or make alterations to it, and that hasn't been, you know, receptive, uh, there hasn't been a ton of receptiveness on the flame side. These are all just guesses. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. All I know is that it's September 21st, training camp's officially underway, we've got one practice in the books, and Elias Lindholm still doesn't have a contract, Flames still don't know whether or not he's going to be here uh, beyond this season. It's it's really interesting to see how how we've gotten to this point. And I even found like he was more at ease talking about it today Agreed. as he was eight days ago when he spoke outside of out of country outside of Country Hills, like you mentioned. The whole thing just is is really interesting in that respect. Yeah, and and if you're out there as a Flames fan and, and you're looking for a reason to be optimistic about what you just heard from Elias Lindholm, I, I do think it was good news that he didn't shut down negotiating during the season. You know, we, we've heard a lot of guys come into camp and say, if this isn't done by opening night, let's just, you know, let's just put it on the back burner. We'll, we'll deal with it another time. Elias Lindholm, while he didn't come out and say, yeah, I'll, I'll negotiate any time, he certainly did not rule out his agent having these discussions during yep. the season. And, and I think for Flames fans, that, that should be encouraging. If you want to see Elias Lindholm locked up long-term, the fact that there's not now a deadline ticking three weeks from now is probably a good thing. He also used the term, you know, kind of, they know what I want. Mm-hmm. And, and that I thought was kind of interesting as well. And that, Hey, um, it, maybe there, maybe there is still a little bit of a gap to close between what the Flames are offering and what's on the table and what the Lindholm camp is looking for right now. So, yeah, this is this is one that is still a developing story. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, it certainly did not uh, jive with what we heard from Craig Conroy a week ago when he said they felt like they were making progress. Yeah, um, this picture that was painted today by Elias Lindholm did not sound like there's been any progress for a couple of months or or more. And usually when you've got a negotiation like this, you know, each side has got their, this is where we are. Yeah. And it's usually more slanted towards their side of of the negotiation. So the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. This is part of the game, right? It really is. Yeah. And I I don't think either side is, you know, both sides know what the other side is willing or not willing to do. There just hasn't been a lot of budge in the middle. Then there's, so that's the Lindholm front. We'll see where that goes. I I honestly do not believe the door is closed on him resigning here by any way, shape, or form. I still think there's a chance that Lindholm and the Flames get something done, whether it's in training camp or in season. It feels like, just my gut, this one feels like maybe the start of the season has to come and go and we have to get a little bit of a better vibe and idea as to what this Flames team might be about this season. That's just my gut. I, I That comes from no intel, just my gut. But it just feels like maybe this is one that doesn't get figured out in the next few weeks and maybe one that gets figured out in October or November or something like that. So 
I still think that there is a decent enough chance that he signs here. Um, and I still think that they are able to get to a middle ground where both sides are okay with. It just they're not there yet. That's that's where things stand right now. These contracts are going to be the story of the Calgary Flames season in a lot of ways. And not saying that they're going to be the story every single day. Obviously, there's going to be plenty of game action and, and all the storylines that come with that. But when you go down that list of, of six expiring contracts, all significant pieces of what the Flames hope their opening night lineup is, this storyline isn't going away. I know some people are sick of hearing about it, but it's going to be Lindholm, and then when it's not Lindholm, it's going to be Backlund or Hannafin or yep. Tanev or Zadorov or Oliver Shillington. And, and honestly, it's it's funny because uh, Zadorov told us last week, as you mentioned, that he hasn't had any contract talks really. And, right. and Chris Tanev uh, confirmed to your colleague Danny Austin today that uh, he has not really had any contract talks and, and – it's all they got to figure out what they're doing with Lindholm before they can start tossing money at other guys. Absolutely, and, and, and to a lesser extent, or you know what, probably to the same extent with with Noah Hannafin. They got to figure out if Hannafin's going to sign an eight year deal here, or if indeed he wants to to go elsewhere and and wants to sign elsewhere. You know, if Hannafin signs an eight year deal, he's probably in the seven million dollar range. Is probably what we're talking about, and we know what type of money we're talking about on the Lindholm front. And so, if you're going to be offering that type of money or, or having negotiations surrounding that type of money, well, you can't then be offering money elsewhere because you're not going to be able to sign all six of these guys. Right. Not, you're going to have to move on and say goodbye to some of these six guys, even in the best-case scenario. That's what happens in a salary cap world. So, yeah, you can understand why certain players haven't gotten – to their contract negotiations. I know that was something that frustrated Tyler Toffoli before he was dealt and, and it eventually or ultimately led to him being traded to New Jersey. So, yeah, it's it's a developing story and, and I think there's still plenty of development left in this story. Yeah, and I, I think as the Flames' new look front office goes through this process too, you know, this team, and I don't need to remind anybody, but this team missed the playoffs a year ago. And this team did not live up to expectations a year ago. And so I think while they would like some of this paperwork done, it doesn't hurt to see how the season starts and, and sort of pick your direction accordingly. Maybe that doesn't apply to Elias Lindholm because first-line centers are really tough to find, but, but it is going to shape what you do with some of these expiring contracts yep. it, it, you know or what what are we what do we look like out of the gates are we a team that's going to fight for top three in the pacific division was it not as simple as changing the head coach are, are there some issues that seem you know are, are we having some of the same overtime struggles or or struggles to score the big goal or whatever from last season like well i think everyone's sick of us talking about these soon-to-be ufas there's a good reason for the organization to not dive into getting all six yeah. done right away as well. Um, I, I want to read you four texts before we jump to uh, the the Backland conversation, but just four texts, and they're all in they're all on Lindholm, but all with very different takes or observations. This says, or how about Lindholm's tired of being asked the same stupid question uh, questions by you guys? 
This reads uh, from Jeff. I've been thinking Lindholm may want to see how the Flames start before he makes a decision. Now I'm wondering if maybe it's the Flames who want to see how Lindholm performs, especially with Huberdeau in the first part of the season before they offer a big money contract. Just a thought. Hope he stays. This from Jay and Silverado. Pat, I'm starting to believe Lindholm is leaving it up to his agent, and the agent's playing hardball with the Flames, knowing the situation they're in. Feels like to me that Lindy has a number he wants, and his agent is there knowing the Flames will give it, but thinks he can get more and finally this says if the flames offered nine times eight and it wasn't accepted start calling teams time to move on just wanted to read those four because all very different takes on the elias lindholm situation right now yeah and and all understandable i'm sure you know as people start their commute or or listen to us at the tail end of their work day there was one of those four text messages that had them nodding their heads in agreement. Yep. I don't think that there is a consensus among the fan base on the best way to handle the Elias Lindholm situation, whether he should be signed for eight seasons, whether he should be traded away. What I, I'm not sure there's consensus out there on the best course of action. I'm not even sure there's consensus when the hockey operations staff talks about these free agents on on. As of today, what is the surefire way to go? I, I think this is an ongoing discussion, not just as it pertains to Lindholm, but all of them. Then there's Michael Backlund, who also spoke with us on Thursday after his on-ice session. He seemed pretty upbeat today. Well, I just want to play, uh, you know, uh, Wes gets a good chuckle in this, uh, in this, uh, in this interview, in this uh, little stretch here with Michael Backlund. He seemed upbeat. He seemed comfortable. He seemed positive. Listen in, and we'll react to it on the back. This is Michael Backlund after day one of training camp. Starting camp here, and, you know, I think Ryan talked a little bit about the energy and enthusiasm he saw from the groups the first couple skates here. What did you feel as uh, you kind of make your way back in here? Yeah, no, it's always uh, fun to get at it and uh, nice uh, testing over with and move on to the hockey side of things. And, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, a fun day. And uh, it's kind of nice also to have the first day out of the way, you know, uh, it's usually one of the hardest. So uh, it's nice to have done it. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was good energy out there. Do you, you still get some of those nerves on first day? It's been been through a couple of these before. <laughs> yeah, I'm always excited to come in first day. It's always uh, fun. It's always uh you know, depending on the year, some new guys here, and uh, <clears throat> this year, full new coaching staff, or um, some guys are, you know, still from here for last year, but promoted, and uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of new things going on here, and uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I wasn't nervous, but uh, just excited to be here. We did hear so much about a culture change, like, more so than just the, the optimism that comes at the beginning of any season, there being a real change, do you feel that? Well, I mean, you know, always when there's uh, <clears throat> new management and uh, coaches, uh, taking on the job they all want to put their print on the the team and uh change the things a little bit and uh you know we all know last year was a tough season and this year we want to change that and be a better team and um yeah uh that's uh you know the coaches uh want to change that obviously too and uh you know do it their way and um yeah as a group here as players we uh, you know we got pushed out to be better Michael, I know uh, there's some business that uh, eventually has to be taken care of. That will play itself out. But what would wearing a C as the longest-serving flame mean to you? Yeah, no, that would be a huge honour. Um, that would mean a lot to me. Um, spent a lot of years here. Played some really good captains before and uh, learned from some good players. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but if that question comes up, um, you know, definitely see us. And uh, uh, it will be a huge honour and something I will be... 
uh, really excited about. Do you do you think your contract status excludes you from that conversation right now, or do you think you should still be in consideration? I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Sorry, Wes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is there anything you can share on that front? Or? Nah. Sorry, that's all I got on that one. What, what about just the leadership group in general? I mean, yeah, you've talked about some experienced guys and obviously guys who've you know grown in this room. Uh, you know, how confident are you just in general, whatever the result might be, but just about uh, the leadership group and, and the way it's set up? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm confident in this group. Uh, I think we have some really good leaders and. Uh, uh, guys play this league a long time and you know most of us or everyone that's in the leadership group was here last year and we all want to prove this year we were better than last year and uh, that we can be a better players and better team so we have a lot to prove all of us and uh, I think that's going to help us uh, this way Remember this year. I know you mentioned last week the you know, how special it would be to play a thousand games here I think you can move into number two this year on the all-times games played list. Like, is that is that something that you circle and, and something that would be important to you this year? Yeah, I mean, it would be, it would be a special day for sure. Um, I haven't looked up which game that possibly could be, but um, yeah, I mean, there's some good, really solid players ahead of me, Gio and Iggy, and uh, yeah, it'll be a, uh, very honoring and special to that happens to move ahead of Gio uh, I mean I got to play with him for so many years and such a tremendous person and a great player so that yeah that would be special have you have you talked to him since he got hired again or you, have you guys been chatting or anything or well I saw him in uh, Nashville when uh, he was uh, at the awards there so mm-hmm. got to catch up with him a little bit have you gotten to uh, get to know Mark Savard the new offensive assistant on, on the coaching staff and what have been your impressions of him since he's been added to the coaching staff yeah, I talked to him a little bit, uh, not a ton, uh, but um, no, I'm excited to have him here. And uh, seems like a really, a really good guy. And you know, I've heard he's one of the smartest hockey guys ever played a game. Um, a couple guys that played with and against him, that I played with before, said that. So I think he's going to help us uh, help the offense uh, a lot this year. There you go. That is Michael Backlund who spoke with us on Thursday after his first practice with the team. Do you do you think he was sorry? Nope. No, me neither. Sorry, Wes. Yeah, it gave it a good. It was a nice try. Yeah, it was. A, it, it was a fully one hundred percent fair question. Like that was not a. That was not a Steinberg question. That was a. That was not a by design question. That was. Well, like, oh, I that was think a good question. you know. I think a Steinberg question is more of a compliment than you give yourself credit for. But uh, yeah, it is. A, you know what? It is a fair question because I, I think Michael Backlund knows that the two dots are connected. He Contract does. extension, captaincy. You can have both or you can have neither. Yeah. I don't blame him one bit for not <laughs> wanting to talk about it today. But we all know that's the case. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Sorry yeah, we'll see what happens. And, and you gave it the old college try and, and good on you for doing so. I do. He seemed upbeat. He seemed confident. This is what I've been saying for a little while now, and I will continue to say. I very much believe that Michael Backlund wants to be convinced to stay. I very much believe Michael Backlund wants to be shown that he should stay, and I very much believe that he's just looking to be convinced. You know what I'm saying? Like there are some, You can be like, yeah, I'm uncertain, I'm skeptical, but... Eh. 
or there's like, yeah, you know what? I want to stay in this relationship. Show me I should stay in this relationship. And I think that's where Michael Backlund is right now. I think he wants to. Uh, I think he wants this to be positive. I think he wants to eventually sign. And I think he eventually. I, I think he wants this training camp and the start of the season to be to give those check marks so that he can put pen to paper, become the captain of the Calgary Flames, and and probably be here for his entire career. I think that is ideally what he wants, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to do that if he feels like there's not a chance to win here and, 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 and not a chance to be better this season. So I still think that there is a decent chance that between now and the start of the season, we get that press release. Michael Backlund has signed a two-year extension with the Calgary Flames. Additionally, Michael Backlund's been named the whatever 19th captain or whatever the number it would be for the Calgary Flames in in franchise history. I still hold out a decent amount of hope that that we get that news release or somebody tweets that out between now and the start of the regular season. Let let me just be the devil's advocate here because I'm curious on this one. What what would change Michael Backlund's mind in training camp about what whether he can win in Calgary? Do you think he can see enough in the preseason and camp to say, yeah, I'm on board? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I because I'm not him, but I think... That, Pretty close, though. I, I mean, we're basically attached to the hip, let's be <laughs> honest here. Uh, no, I, I think... Um, I think a better vibe, a better feeling, more enjoyment sure. coming to the rink. You know, maybe it's may, maybe behind closed doors, Lindholm's feeling better about signing here, or or Hannafin is. Maybe they they're really liking the way things are snapping around and things are being executed in camp. Do I? Yeah, I think I think that there could be there could be very much that, and I think more than anything, and and Backlund's not alone in that in this, but last year ground him down oh, like it it absolutely. sucked the soul out of Michael Backlund last year and he was a he was a shell of a human in, when he spoke with us on on locker cleanout day like a lot of guys were mm-hmm. that was a taxing season and that's putting it lightly that was a soul sucking season last year for everybody involved in a lot of ways so you go you you get some of your soul back when you go to Nashville and the flames treat you like a a first-class citizen because you are a first-class citizen and they make this incredible video with all of the people that he's helped and they put it together and they play it for him just before he goes to Bridgestone Arena and wins the King Clancy and you know that 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 made a difference and winning the King Clancy as a member of the Flames and representing the Flames like he told me like it was special to him being on the podium representing the Calgary Flames, the only team that he's ever played for. This has never been Michael not wanting to be here. It's been Michael wanting to win a Stanley Cup or or have a chance at winning a Stanley Cup. And I just think he wants to feel like that opportunity exists. If if this were last like if if Michael Backlund's contract ended a year prior, this wouldn't be a conversation, I don't think, because of how good the year prior was. But last year, because last year sucked so much of the life out of so many people, I I think it just is taking a little longer for guys to come back around on staying here. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, we know... Michael Backlund loves the city of Calgary, and there, you know, this isn't Michael Backlund standing in, in front of the cameras and the microphones and saying, "I love Calgary." Like this is Michael Backlund who spent the last Saturday of his off season 
at the grand opening of a pet advocacy center that has been a labor of love for parachutes for pets like yeah. that this this is a guy who could not be more entrenched in the community of calgary and so you're absolutely right the the winning part is is the part that's in question and i just and again just being the devil's advocate i'm just curious because i think there is some some steam building there are a lot of people now who feel like this extension might get done before the end of training camp and i'm just wondering if you've kind of if you've set your mind to, hey, I want to make sure this team can contend, I'm just curious how much that can change in the next three weeks. He's Wes. I'm Pat. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk, and we're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Dome, your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Pat West along with you, and now the Daily Flames Roundtable as we welcome Derek Wills, the radio voice of the Calgary Flames, to the program as well. Daily Flames Roundtable every weekday at this time as we continue this hour of Flames Talk. It's Thursday, and uh, we now have one day of on-ice sessions in the book in 2023 or for 2023 training camp. And, gents, we know Oliver Shillington's status is up in the air, and, and we know that is something that uh, will, will you know, continue to play itself out here. He did not take part in day one of training camp, and, and we'll see when he does rejoin the Flames for camp. But we did get a couple of interesting defense pairings on day one of camp. We saw Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson start together, and we saw Nikita Zadorov and Mackenzie Weger. I think those would be de facto your top two pairings on day one of training camp. I just from from your initial viewings and initial thoughts and initial reaction, how much of a chance is that what we see for pairings come opening night on October eleventh? Well, I think there's a chance. Uh, I'm not sure I'd bet on it one day into camp, uh, especially without Oliver Shillington available today. But you know, we talked a little bit about it on the roundtable yesterday. Do they go lefty-righty because they've got three lefties and three righties in their top six? Or do we see someone like Mackenzie Weger playing on his offside again? And you know, based on what we saw on day one, they've gone lefty-righty, at least in their top four. And I do wonder if there's the potential to see those two pairings, guys, because Chris Tanev was in the second group today and on a pairing with Jordan Osterley. And even if Oliver Shillington uh, is available come first preseason game or the first regular season game or sometime in between, you know, he's a guy who's played with Tanev before. So I think you've got a guy in Tanev who is as stable a defense partner as probably anybody in the NHL. And if you're trying to ease someone like Shillington back in or just give someone like Osterley or Dennis Gilbert uh, a strong defensive partner to play with, then I think Chris Tanev's probably your best bet. I definitely, and I, I hope we're talking about Oliver Shillington being on the ice within the next few days. And then I absolutely think that Chris Tanev is his defense partner more likely than not in his first game of the season. I do, however, struggle to put too much stock into what we saw with the defense pairings today simply because 
the groups were set, I think, before it became apparent that Oliver Shillington wouldn't right. be on the ice today. And I don't think they wanted to tinker with what time those guys were going to be at the rink. I, I'm sure that probably had something to do with what time they did their fitness testing yesterday. And so I think we know those pairings can work. We know Nikita Zadorov and Mackenzie Weger can be a nice blend together. We know Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson have played a pile of hockey together. Yep. I just, because of how late, as I understand it, Oliver Shillington's status for today changed, I don't know how much we can read into those pairings and whether they might be something we'll see on opening night. It uh, and, and by all accounts, it sounds like Oliver's status changed yesterday, Wednesday, uh, is, is when it became apparent that maybe starting camp on, on time for him wasn't going to be in the cards. And, and yeah, that, that definitely – and I don't want to get too much into how it changes things because we don't know how long he's going to be off the ice for and, and how much longer he's, gonna, he's, he's going to need to get himself to a spot and, and where he feels comfortable – to, to rejoin the group at 100%, and whenever he's ready is the right time for him. And and it just it does throw a little bit of confusion into what the overall plan might be. The good news is, guys, that – and I asked Ryan Huska about this after practice here on this Thursday, and that is, is, is do they have a preference of – Mackenzie Weger on the right side or Mackenzie Weger on the left side and Wilsey last year Daryl Sutter was very adamant that his belief was no they want Weger on the right like they believe he's better on the right but they didn't have the ability to always play him on the right you know if if Shillington's good to go for the start of the season they've got that ability with uh, having him and Zadorov as a pairing but if they need to go in a different direction then you can always put Weger back on the left you can put him back with Tanev if you need you can put him with Anderson and they looked really good together as a pairing so having Weger be as good as he is on either side and be able to still be a high-end guy playing on his weak side and doing it as much as he did last year it gives them more options and a little bit more flexibility if they do need to get away from maybe what the penciled-in plan was to start training camp. Well, and first and foremost, I hope Oliver Shillington's okay on a personal level. On a professional level, I hope we see him soon because I think that would be good both for him personally and professionally. But when it comes to the defense pairings and when it comes to Mackenzie Weger, I guess what's more important playing him on the right side or getting him more minutes? Because Ryan Huska, when he addressed the media today, also talked about the importance of getting Mackenzie Weger more minutes. And I think one way to do that is to play him on the left side on a pairing with Rasmus Anderson. So we're going to see different pairings. We're going to see different lines throw training camp. It's a great time to experiment. But I'll say this, guys. If Shillington is going to be unavailable long-term, and I hope that's not the case on so many levels, then the Flames might have to look at bringing in someone else in defense. Because, A, I think it makes it a lot harder to move Noah Hannafin, another left-shot defenseman who's a top-four guy. And, B, they don't have a ton of depth back there as far as NHL bodies go. So, uh, fingers crossed that, uh, again, on a personal level first and foremost, but also on a professional level, we see Oliver back soon. 
And I just want to throw this in the conversation because I'm sure some people are listening and wondering about this. Jeremy Poirier, who was an AHL all-rookie teamer a year ago for the Calgary Wranglers, a guy who certainly factors into the future for the Calgary Flames, likely not as soon as this season. He did not participate fully in the first or second group skates today. He didn't participate in the first or second group because he continues to recover from an off-season injury. And so I don't think That's he's why far he didn't away. play in Penticton Exactly. As well. yep. And I, I know there's people who saw Jeremy's stats a year ago with the Wranglers who are, are wondering, well, if Oliver isn't available for a while, what about Poirier, another left-handed shot, another puck-moving defenseman? He's going to be, I think the hope is, cleared for contact soon, but he hasn't yet. And and so just an update for those who might be wondering what yep. the status of Jeremy Poirier is. He was uh, skating with a yellow non-contact jersey uh, as part of the third group, and I, I, I think if he was able to take full contact he would have been in one of the two groups absolutely but just because uh he's still working his way back from something uh he was part of the third group with that yellow non-contact jersey as he gets ready for his second professional season uh it's uh Derek Wills Wes Gilbertson Pat Steinberg Daily Flames Roundtable on this Thursday that's the defense conversation you know with the Shillington news, with the hubbub of Lindholm, Sharon Govich, and Huberdeau being together, with all of the you know different things and reacting to different things that you heard inside the locker room, one of the uh, things that I thought was a little lost in day one when looking at uh, lines and, and how things shaped up, and again, it's day one, so... Day one is not how day five and day 15 looks and definitely doesn't necessarily mean it's the way they'll look come day one of the regular season. But Nazem Kadri was centering Dylan Dubé on the right and Adam Ruzicka on the left of a line in Calgary's second group at training camp on this Thursday. And it just got me thinking. And, and Wes mentioned this, Derek, a little earlier this week. So I wanted to maybe give it a little bit more run on the round table. Guys, where does Adam Ruzicka fit in this conversation, or how does Adam Ruzicka fit in this conversation or make himself more of a factor in this conversation? Well, it's tough to answer that question because this is the question I have. What is Adam Ruzicka? Who is Adam Ruzicka? Is he the guy who put up 20 points in the first 25 games he played last season or the guy who didn't put up any points in the last 19 games he played last season. I don't know who or what he is. I know he's got pretty much all the physical tools you'd want, but he's had a hard time playing at a consistently high level. And I thought it looked better playing in the top six than in the bottom six, but he really fell off after that quick start. And quite frankly, I don't think he deserved to be in the top six anymore. So I understand why Daryl Sutter put him in the bottom six, but I also wonder if he's one of those guys who, you know, Daryl Sutter pushes buttons, and that makes some players better. You can even say a lot of players better, but sometimes guys go the other way too. And I do wonder with Adam if he maybe went the other way. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but again, he's got all the tools you'd want in a power forward. He has proven that he can play at a pretty high level, even playing with really good players as he did last season. Again, 20 points in the first 25 games after being a healthy scratch to start the season. But then he really fell off a cliff. So I'm not sure who he is or what he is, guys. So 
I'm kind of anxious to see him get a chance in the, the top six or nine again and uh, to have an opportunity to prove that he can play there because he'd be a, a great addition to the Flames' top six or top nine if, if he was that guy regularly. Willsie, I think you're absolutely right that we don't know what Adam Ruzicka is. Here's all I know today about Adam Ruzicka is he, at least from my vantage point, has the most tenuous grip on a spot in the Flames' top nine forward group. If you were going to look at the lines from today, and for those who are, are maybe just joining us, I'll, I'll run through them quick. Huberto, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, Ruzicka, Kadri, Dubé, Coleman, Backlund, Manjapani. Who's the leading candidate to lose their spot in yep. that top nine? Yep. It's Adam Ruzicka, and that's by a country mile. And so if Matt Coronado muscles his way into a top nine spot, if Jacob Pelche forces his way into a top nine spot, Adam Ruzicka is the guy who's in trouble. Now, we're talking about, as Derek said, a guy with all the tools to be a power forward type in the NHL. We're talking about a guy who is confident in his own abilities, but we're also talking about a guy who hasn't had an NHL point in 2023. He he did not have a point in the last four months of last season. And so I just really hope, and we haven't chatted with him yet, I hope he realizes that this is kind of, hey, it's time to show it. Because he was where... I had him penciled in as the fourth line center, and this is Ryan Huska and the coaching staff saying, we see more here. We see you as a guy who can be an offensive contributor, but I don't think the leash, and I hate that term, but I don't think the leash on this one's very long. He's got to show it. I think, guys, we're talking about Rzichka being in a very similar situation as a lot of other young players here. They want to give players an opportunity to show what they're all about they want to you know Derek we were talking earlier about how it's it's kind of my belief that Michael Backlund wants to be convinced and Michael Backlund wants to be shown that he should stay here and and he's looking to see um, if those signs are there because I, I do believe ideally he'd like to stay and resign and become captain well I think in in this conversation I think the Flames want to be convinced and they want to have a tough decision. And so they are putting players in a spot so that they are given all the opportunity to make their life difficult in a good way. Hey, Adam, here's Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé. You know, here's Kadri, an established Stanley Cup winning center. Here's Dylan Dubé, a guy who's got hundreds of NHL games under his belt. We're going to put you with him in training camp. Show us. You know, make it so that we can't put you anywhere else and they're giving they're giving them an opportunity to succeed and also while not setting them up to fail allowing them to fail if it doesn't work you know what I'm saying like hey we're giving you this shot we're gonna put you in a spot to be successful so go be successful that's where I think Ruzicka fits I think Craig Conroy's a big fan of what he's capable of being the size the skill them some good mobility I think they want Rizicka to show them that he can be a full-time NHLer this year. They're giving him the spot to do so early on, and now it really is on him. And maybe for the last training camp as a member of the Flames, uh, it's really on him to kind of prove that opportunity right. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that the Flames want him to succeed and are going to give him an opportunity 
to succeed. Here's the thing about Adam. I'm sure it was hard on him being a healthy scratch to start the season and then being thrown into the, onto the left side of the top line and putting up 20 points in 25 games and then you know, his play falls off, which happens with young guys. They can be a little bit up and down. And then all of a sudden he's a healthy scratch again and now he's playing on the third or fourth line. Points aren't coming anymore. I'm sure that impacted his confidence. But I don't know about you guys, but here's what I kept beating my head against the table for uh, when I was thinking about Adam Ruzicka in the back half of last season. Go out there and do something. You know, if you're not scoring goals and producing points, go hit someone. You know, he's a, he's a big, strong guy, and I think he can play a lot more physically than we've seen him play in the past. So you're not always going to score goals and, and produce points and help the team win that way. So when you're not doing those things, you've got to be able to do other things. And I think that he has the physical tools to do other things and to help the Flames in other ways. So that's the growth that I want to see from Adam Ruzicka this season. I'm happy that they're giving him another chance to play with good players. And we'll see if he takes advantage of this opportunity. Again, when he got a chance to play with Elias Lindholm last season and, and Tyler Toffoli, mm-hmm. that was a pretty good line for, for 20, 25 games. And then he fell right off. So let's see if he can become that guy again. And you know, now that he's a year older and knows that he can play at a pretty high level in this league. Let's see if he can be that guy consistently moving forward. An interesting day one of on-ice training camp in the books. Day two on Friday. We'll do it again with the Daily Flames Roundtable Friday. Wilsey, uh, for now, have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Thank you, pal. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. That's Derek Wills, the radio voice of the Calgary Flames, joining us here Daily Flames Roundtable. Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That wraps us up. Oof. Head was uh, head was spinning. Day one is always a lot. There's always a lot going on. There's always a lot of media to do. But we got it done. Two hours of Flames talk in the books. Yeah. And uh, onwards and upwards through camp from here, my friend. This is always one of those days you walk in the dome at about 8.15 in the morning and you walk out after the show. Like, I don't know. I hope it's not snowing out there. It yep. better not be. But... Uh, I don't even know what it looks like outside. Yep. Feels like uh, feels like decades and centuries have passed since I walked in the door. <laughs> uh, but it's good. It's good to be back here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's good to be back in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. It's awesome that training camp is underway. Day two on Friday. We'll do it all over again on Friday with lots of reaction and lots to dive into. For now, that'll wrap up this hour. Wes is on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Our producers have been Cam and Taylor back downtown. And this hour has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450. Or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com.